0: The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the TOST podcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network, found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcasts and also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. You can listen to the podcast at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. I'm Todd Bloniars from the award-winning timeout for Sports Talk TV show available on BMC channels 28 and 29 and also on demand at belmontmedia.com org. Uh, returning to the Toddcast here this evening, as we are uh, recording this on uh, January the twenty third, is longtime and also award winning Ohio radio personality and program director Mark Elliott, who also happens to be the brother of Belmont Media Center's executive director Jeff Hansel. You can follow Mark on Twitter at the Mark Elliott, or the Mark Elliott, depending how you want to pronounce that word. Mark, good evening. Welcome uh, to the Toddcast.
1: I'm in Columbus, Ohio, Todd. It's pronounced THE Mark Elliott. Let's...
0: <laughs> oh, really? Is That's an Ohio thing? Everyone pronounces the E uh, with the long vowel sound?
1: In fact, if you're wearing a hat here that says T-H-E on the top, everybody knows it's pronounced THE as the first four words of THE Ohio State University.
0: Wow, that's funny because uh, we used to have... Uh, there used to be a, uh, well, he's still around. Actually, he lives in Belmont. Uh, John Keller, who's a uh, political uh, analyst on uh, one of the local TV stations, when he worked on a different station here in town, he always used to refer to uh, the uh, the 10 o'clock newscast. They used to call it the 10 o'clock news, and they would sort of hold, the, hold that vowel sound. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> you're right. Okay. So yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's a, it's a regional thing, but hey, I'm glad you're here, Mark. It's also nice to be talking to someone kind of close to my own age because I'm, I'm talking to you out there in Ohio, and if I mention the Cincinnati Stingers to you, you're going to know what I'm talking about.
1: Didn't it, was it was it the Stingers that drafted or could have drafted Wayne Gretzky?
0: Um, I don't. think think so, at least not according to Wikipedia. <laughs> I was looking to see who used to play on that team. He uh, never
1: played. He never played for the Stingers. I think they just drafted him in the WHL, and he ended up playing in the NHL. But I think they had his rights at one time in what would have been the competing hockey league, the, WA, the World Hockey League.
0: Yes, well, actually, the World Hockey Association. It was the WHA. Correct. Right. Which is where my team... Uh, from the WHA days, and then, of course, when they joined the NHL in 1979, they got their name partly from the acronym WHA, the Hartford Whalers. Of course, they started as the New England Whalers when they played in the, in the association.
1: <laughs> so it is hockey time, but here, you know, obviously we're on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. You're yes. up there in New England. I just want to know exactly how much you paid the referee. He <laughs> get a Super Bowl ring after you win the game or
0: not. Uh, we, we're going to complain about the officiating here, really? I mean, I don't know. I don't think Jacksonville has that much of a beef here. I, mean, they I, I commit- don't think
1: they do either, but I'm sure that ref would like to have that picture back where he's smiling and patting all those uh, Patriots players on the back.
0: That, no, that's very true. That was not very good optics uh, at all. And uh, yeah, I actually did want to ask you, uh, let's start while we're starting off. Of course, here we are uh, less than two weeks from Super Bowl 52. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the conference championship games played this past weekend and uh, maybe an early thought on the upcoming Super Bowl matchup.
1: Uh, number one, I'm certainly disappointed because I thought Minnesota was a better team and I think that they just got exposed for not having the quarterback that they should have had. But on the other side, why didn't the Eagles get exposed for not having the quarterback that they should have had? That was a disappointing game. Jaguars were in that game till the end. Um, Unfortunately, the second half, the Jaguars decided to have uh, Marvin Lewis from the Bengals call their plays in the second half, so they went to some conservative game plan, which is why the Bengals always lose after getting a 28-point lead on the Steelers. Or how big of a lead did they have on the Green Bay Packers? And then they go into the second half, and all of a sudden they're a completely different team. That's certainly what I thought happened to the Jaguars on Sunday. And uh, the Patriots just played like the Patriots. I'm not that excited about watching the Super Bowl. I will, of course, to watch the commercials. Neither team would be on my absolute favorites list. Um, So... And what is it right now, six points, six-and-a-half points, New England?
0: I've heard everything from five-and-a-half to six is uh, the early line. I don't know where the, uh, uh, the bettors have uh, been putting some of their early money. Uh, I, I would guess the folks in Philly are going to try their best to uh, to maybe close that gap a little bit. I mean, you have to look at it this way, though, Mark. The, the fact that you know you could have had a Jacksonville-Philadelphia Super Bowl, I'm not sure anybody in the country would have wanted to see that matchup.
1: I don't know if they would have wanted to see it, but it would have been exciting to see two teams who had never won the Super Bowl before. I think that has a a story to it. Uh, I would have preferred to see a Minnesota-New England uh, Super Bowl only because it would have bumped New England out of the home uh, um, locker rooms uh, and would have changed that whole, and so it would have given, given Bill Belichick something else to complain about. Since the league had decided that Minnesota could use their own home locker rooms if they happen to make it into the Super Bowl.
0: I did hear that. Uh, Of course, the Patriots have decided they want to sort of be a road team anyway, because I don't know if you heard the early talk. They have decided uh, they are going to wear their white jerseys, which uh, typically they would wear on the road. And uh, that is, I think, based partly on the fact that they've won their last three Super Bowls wearing the white jerseys. In fact, they're undefeated 3-0 and in Super Bowls in the Brady-Belichick era wearing their white road jerseys. Not to mention that the team wearing the white jerseys has won 12 of the last 13 Super Bowls. And actually, that started, that trend started when these two teams, Philadelphia and New England, played in Super Bowl 39.
1: Well, good for them. It'll be a, it'll be a half-decent game uh, you know, the question will be: Is can can Wentz live up to, or not Wentz? Can uh, Foles live up to his hype in filling in for Wentz and cause as much of a problem in training camp next year for the Eagles uh, as they're probably uh, doomed to have? And uh, I wouldn't put it past Brady and Belichick to figure this out. But here's the question: So if they win another Super Bowl. Does Belichick go to the Giants, and does Brady retire?
0: I I really don't think so. Uh, I think with regards to Brady, he's got this new uh, Tom versus Time documentary thing going. Not to mention that he's still under contract for two more years, and and his uh, his annual rate is actually going to be going up uh, in excess of twenty million each of the next two years. So you know, right there, he's got approximately forty million odd reasons to not retire. Uh, again, the whole TB twelve branding I think is a big part of it. And as far as Belichick goes, no one seems to know. It's kept under lock and key the status of his contract, or if, if his contract is up at the end of this year. Certainly, if it's not, I don't think that Robert Kraft's going to let him or give permission for him to go anywhere. Uh, even if it is, uh, I still can't imagine he's going. Well, actually, can't go to the Giants because the Giants hired Schumer uh, this week. The, oh, that's uh, right. The
1: Giants did hire a coach this week. Didn't they, they? they
0: did, yes. So actually, that that's all out the window. And to tell you the truth, uh, with all even with all the you know the Seth Wickersham article and the perceived and maybe some actual friction going on between Belichick and Brady and Kraft and that that triangle, I think in the end, uh, you know, Kraft I think said it this weekend. You know, you, you're gonna whenever you have a group like this that's been together for 18 years, yeah, there's gonna be some friction. But in the end, you know, you you put your You know, you put your egos aside and you play for a common goal, and that's what the Patriots have been able to do for 18 years. Unprecedented that they've been able to maintain this elite level of play in an era of the NFL where no one else can can maintain any kind of thing, anything resembling elite play. So
1: basically the season's over. You'll have the parade. It'll be exciting. won't be near as exciting as the parade that was in Cleveland. (laughs) I didn't make it to that parade, but certainly a lot of the pictures hit the – TV stations here in Columbus, and I had a couple of friends who went up. The marketing genius is that the Excedrin sponsored the Cleveland Indians' um, perfect season, or Cleveland Browns, rather, perfect season parade they had a couple of weeks ago. And it seems everybody took it uh, uh, with a pretty good heart. Uh, It was a big crowd.
0: Yeah, no, I I was actually, you know, you you must have been reading my mind, Mark, because I was going to ask you about this to try to tie this into uh, Ohio uh, NFL football. Yeah, no, I was I was reading about this. uh, The parade, I guess they uh, had uh, close to 3000 people uh, kind of taking part in this. And, uh, you know, in the end. They weren't there to celebrate the 0-16 season, but just kind of bring it uh, to light and kind of as a protest to uh, uh, team ownership there in Cleveland. Uh, The the most important or the best aspect of having that parade is apparently they raised over $17,000 for the Greater Cleveland Food Bank.
1: I'm fascinated by this whole pay it forward thing from NFL fans now, and it really started with all the Buffalo Bills fans giving money to Andy Dalton's foundation, (laughs) Bengals fans who gave money to the Blake Bortles Foundation after they beat the Steelers, uh, I think it shows that NFL fans have at least a a sense of humor and an understanding that things are bigger than the game. And I'm really kind of impressed by that. And And it kind of, you know, the NFL has certainly left a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, I have a cousin living here in uh, Columbus who literally is refusing to watch the NFL this year. He's just decided that from a political standpoint, from the knee thing from ever he's just he's just done with it and, and and he doesn't want to argue with anybody about it. He doesn't want to try to advance his own view on anyone else, but he feels like it's he's done with it and uh, i I don't know many people who've taken that approach, but I know enough to think that. Yeah, maybe the NFL needs a little bit uh, different PR people as uh, we go into uh, the
0: 2018 season. Well, uh, I'm kind of with you there, Mark. I don't know anybody personally who's who's gone to that extreme, but the facts have been borne out here that – Uh, the ratings have been down in the NFL this year. And whether it is because of uh, the anthem protests or the, you know, or a myriad of other factors, maybe just oversaturation of the product in general, people have tuned out. They mentioned that the conference championship games, uh, the ratings for those games were lower than they've been uh, the last several years. However, to put everything in perspective, they were still like the highest among the highest rated programs of the year because like the top 10, 15 uh, rated television programs this year have all been football games.
1: Yeah, I don't think the NFL is going anywhere. What do you think? I mean, you know, we could talk about the Patriots, and I'm sure you you will be able to do that at another time. But what do you think about a lot of the discussions they've had concerning concussions? I saw a proposal the other day that said that there's a major football doctor, somebody who thinks that most of the concussion problem could be solved if you made linemen stand up instead of a three-point or four-point stance at the... uh, at the line of scrimmage got an
0: opinion on that uh you know i it's the first time i've heard anything about that study that's uh, very interesting I, if you know I, I guess i'd have to hear more about that or maybe see it in, in kind of in action maybe on a, a lower level perhaps uh yeah I, I don't know if they would ever uh, be willing to do that i mean that would be kind of a drastic change to the to the sport as uh, we know it is certainly the NFL knows it. I mean, my feeling is that simply, you know, 20, 30 years from now, uh, you're going to see, I mean, you're already starting to see kind of a diminished product in the league, or at least a watered-down product. In 20 or 30 years, you might have a, a problem just having enough players to fill 32 teams. Uh, maybe that, that's a little drastic, but I, I think the point being, You know, you've got a lot of parents now because of these concussion scares are keeping their kids from playing football in their youth. And if they're not playing in their youth, they're not going to play it, you know, at a college or a professional level. So, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't uh, bode well for the uh, the product itself unless they can somehow come up with – a way to i don't know make the helmets you know even more protective but in doing that they've also turned them into weapons of sorts uh, on the field and you kind of saw that with that helmet to helmet hit on uh, Rob Gronkowski this weekend uh, and uh, his status also will talking be talking about for a Super year this
1: will be a year when there will be major NFL rule changes the catch rule has to change there there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the whole idea of the way catches are instant replayed and looked at and whether it's a catch or not a catch, that rule has to change. It's, it's, it is starting to affect the game in a way that nobody ever predicted that it would. So you're gonna see that rule change. I think you're gonna see a, revo- a revision of instant replay because it is really slowing down the game. Everything's instant replayed. Everything's looked at. Um, um, officials are back to that area where they're afraid to make a decision. They're afraid to uh, to make a call because they don't know if they're going to be uh, called back or not. This could be a year when making some sort of drastic rule change might fit in to uh, what the NFL wants to accomplish and certainly might get them some better press if the rule changes were focused on reducing injuries and the increasing the safety of the game.
0: Well, you know, Mark, while I, I agree with your general take, I'm going to disagree with you that there are going to be drastic changes made to the game. I I do think, you know, the original goal I think when they put replay in was to try or at least the sentiment was to overturn any egregious calls anything that was obvious that needed to be overturned now and this is where I do agree with you the games are just stretching out way too long with all these 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 just endless delays and uh, but here's the problem going to what you were talking about with the rule about the catch and the first thing that comes to mind of course is that uh, that Patriots Steelers game from the regular season and, and the way that game ended the bottom line is the league has now officially defined what a catch is. I don't think they're going to change the rule because there is a, a definition. You and I may not like that definition. It may not even be a true definition, but I, I can't see the, how they're going to tweak that definition Uh, of what a catch is. And so that's, you know, they're going to, they're going to say, well, the ball has to survive the ground. I mean, now there's a written definition that all the officials can adhere to. So whether you and I like it or not, uh, whatever, I think bottom line is, I think this rule's going to stay. I don't think there's any plans to change that one at all.
1: However, uh, let me give you the opposite side of this. I'm on the half yard line. I stick the ball over the ends, over the goal line. I get a touchdown, he gets smacked out of my hand, nobody cares. If that happens on the field of play, then people do care. It's a fumble. But it's different rules once it crosses that line. The rules change and are different once the football goes across the end line. It's not the end line, once the football goes across the goal line. Why does a a catcher can't catch the ball, take two steps, and fall to the ground out of bounds? Why does he have to continue to hold on to the ball?
0: Well, again, I agree with you. Actually, not only is there a difference when the ball crosses the goal line, but it depends on who's doing it. Is it a running back that's that's just diving over? Then, right. I mean, you know, the the running back reaches over at the at the end of the run and and has the ball crossed, That's a touchdown. But for the receiver taking that extra step, he has to make the catch and then quote-unquote, survive the ground. And if he doesn't do that, then it's not a catch. And now here's the thing. Going back to that Patriots-Steelers game, Jesse James, the the tight end who uh, had his touchdown uh, disallowed. All he had to do is catch the ball in a different way. Instead of trying to reach across while he was in the the motion of catching the ball and extending the ball over the goal line, had he caught the ball, gone to the ground, and then rolled into the end zone with him holding onto the ball, that would have been a touchdown. And there weren't any defensive players around him at that moment. He could have done that. But the first instinct for these receivers is to always try to extend the ball the same way a running back would. And yes, it is a touchdown if a running back does that but not for the receiver. And there are inconsistencies, but again, and I'm agreeing with you, I don't like this rule, but this is the, the rule as it stands.
1: It'll be interesting, and it's always fun to argue about rules. But let's get back down to a real sport that has problems. Well, no,
0: but I also wanted to, while we stay on football, no, I definitely want to get to the other sport. No, believe me, Mark, when I when I brought you on here, I knew we weren't going to necessarily talk uh, Boston sports. That's fine. You're our Ohio correspondent, so I do want to talk to you about, you know, you mentioned the Browns, which is great, but I also wanted to bring up your other team, and actually I think it's your team that you actually root for, the, uh, the Bengals uh, from Cincinnati, and uh, the question here is uh, Marvin Lewis. I mean, it looked like they were so close to sending him out the door finally, him and his 0-7 uh, playoff record. And instead, uh, Paul Brown has a change of heart and, and brings him back. Or I should say, no, I'm sorry, Mike Brown. <laughs> Not Paul. Mike, Paul was his father. Uh, Mike Brown, though, decided to bring him back. What, what is up with that?
1: <laughs> the headline in the Cincinnati Inquirer was, Cincinnati Bengals fan excitement has an expiration date. Mike Brown better figure out where it is because it's coming up. I think you're dealing with a team and a, and a, and a team – support that if the Bengals don't make the playoffs this year play pretty decently win a playoff game or two I'm not saying the Bengals have to win the Super Bowl this year uh, in 2018 rather this upcoming season for fans to stay involved but I'm telling you uh, a nine and seven first playoff on the road loss because you were the fifth you know, the fifth-seeded team, the first wild card, I think you're going to have a complete reduction of fan support for that team because I think that fans have decided that Mike Brown doesn't care about them. I think you've seen a seven-part article in the, in the Cincinnati Inquirer, and trust me, the Inquirer has been a local support. The, the newspaper there has never been truly critical of either the Browns or either the Bengals or the Reds. Their, their, their analysis is fair, but they're, it's not like they're, they're, they're not supporters. They're not you know community supporters. And I think the, 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 the feeling is, is that this is it. At the end of this year, we better see something by the moves that you've made or you're going to start losing a tremendous amount of fan support. And I think it's a strong concern, and I think there's a lot of people concerned about it. I'm concerned personally because I haven't seen the change in the coaching staff that I expected to see. Um, um, I, I, know I I like that they got the defensive coordinator from the Lions he may be an improvement I'm not sure that Bill Lazor is going to be the offensive coordinator that's going to make the change in terms of what's going on but I think you're going to see a tremendous loss of fan support in 2019 if 2018 turns out the same way the Bengals have for the last 5 to 10 years
0: Yeah. Did, did you want to see Marvin Lewis leave uh, this uh, the year? The
1: question is who are they going to hire to replace him? If they could have gotten that guy that's coaching Washington right now, who has a connection to the Bengals, what's his name, Chris Peterson?
0: Uh,
1: University of Washington.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Sorry, my college uh, football knowledge is uh, not that great.
1: (laughs) Boise State, went from Boise State to Washington. Oh, okay. He's a pretty aggressive, offensive coach. Um, um, Had they made the kind of move to bring in an aggressive, offensive coordinator? That they, You know, they. the draft is going to say some things about the Bengals because they need a line, they need linemen, they need defensive linemen, they don't need a running back, they don't need a wide receiver, they don't need a quarterback. And if you see them turn around and draft another wide receiver that doesn't play for the entire season, or, or you, you don't see them build back up, you know, all of these linemen that they let go last year, all of them except the guy that went to the Browns went to the playoffs they let go quality players, didn't replace them with quality players, got the same thing that we're always getting, and then we're seeing guys like Andrew Whitworth, you know, playing for the Rams, have a pretty decent year. So it doesn't make sense to me, other than the fact that you realize the Bengals are supposedly the most profitable team in the NFL in terms of actual money that goes into the Brown family's pocket. Mm. their, Their time's running out. And when it runs out, I can't tell you what might might happen to that team. You've got a team right now that is going to have to sue the city of Cincinnati to get the city—it's either the city or the county—to pay a certain amount of the maintenance on the stadium that they've contractually agreed to do, because the city's trying to get out of it, because they realize that's money that goes directly into the Browns' pocket. They've got a sweetheart deal from the government. They've got a sweetheart deal from the from their fans, and they've. You know, we've all let them get away with this for a long time. I think time's just about up.
0: Yeah, well, according to the article I'm reading here uh, with regards to all this, it says the Bengals' current lease uh, uh, with the the stadium runs through the 2026 season, and Mike Brown is 82, so I guess the clock's definitely running on him. And, you know, you talk about uh, problems and where they lie sometimes with teams. I think normally you have to go to the top, and I I think – you know, not only what you're saying is is problematic with uh, Mike Brown, but the fact, the the reasoning that he had behind bringing back Marvin Lewis. The team was five and nine. The last two weeks, they played Detroit and they played Baltimore, two teams that were fighting for playoff spots. And the Bengals played the excellent role of spoiler and knocked them both out of the postseason. And it was based on those last two games that Mike Brown then decided in his mind. Let's bring Marvin Lewis back because the team is, is playing inspired ball where I would argue they are playing with absolutely no pressure because they're five and nine. Their season's done. So it, they can just go out there and kind of hang loose and play the role of spoiler against two teams that are like playing very tight and, and knowing that they have to win every game if they want to get into the postseason. So I, I don't I don't understand this logic that he used. And ultimately, I, I think it's going to be the his downfall.
1: Well, you know, Marvin Lewis kept his job because on fourth and twelve, Andy Dalton could figure out a way to throw a touchdown pass. I mean, Marvin Lewis better be buying Andy Dalton stakes of you know every week now for the entire off season. It 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 amazes me that they didn't make some kind of total structural change in that team. But like I said, I think they have. Uh, they have a little time left, but they don't have as much time left as they think.
0: And maybe like the fans of Buffalo, maybe uh, uh, Coach Lewis could just make a donation to Andy Dalton's fund. <laughs> uh, let me, uh, really quick, we're going to pivot to basketball in a second. I, I just want to bring this back to the Browns for a moment. We talk about coaches who seem like they should get fired. Hugh Jackson uh, found a way to go worse than 1-15 in 15 when he promised that he wouldn't. Uh, this past season, he's 1-31 in 31 in his two seasons, although uh, I guess some optimism for Browns fans, they hired offensive coordinator Todd Haley away uh from the Pittsburgh Steelers and you know that should help because Hugh Jackson won't be calling plays anymore I I think infinitely it feels like the offense has to get better just based on that fact alone
1: yeah you, you have to look at the fact that the Browns uh screwed up the Andy the AJ McCarron trade
0: oh yeah right
1: from a f- by making a fax error uh Hugh Jackson is- yeah who
0: faxes anything anymore <laughs> it's like I don't
1: Hugh Jackson is known for being this offensive genius, but he couldn't keep his quarterback off his butt most of the season. Um, uh, you know, is the, is Kaiser the quarterback of the of the Browns for the future? I don't know. He's probably going to be a pretty good backup for somebody, but the problem is he couldn't keep him on his feet. If he can't keep the guy on his feet, how's he going to ever develop? And you know, there there have been quarterbacks that have gone. Had pretty bad first years, didn't Peyton Manning go one in fifteen during his first year starting with the Colts?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was that bad, but he did struggle a little bit early on.
1: It, uh, I, I think his first season with the Colts was pretty bad. Okay. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm uh, as a as one who's never been a Browns fan, I'm actually being a little feeling a little sympathetic these days. So I don't know whether I'm getting soft in my old age or not. <laughs> but yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I still. I love that stadium. It's a great place to watch a ball game. I love both stadiums up there. The baseball and football stadiums in Cleveland are uh, some of the best places uh, to to watch football and baseball. I still am never going to root for the Browns unless they're playing the Steelers uh, at this point or, or the Patriots and uh we'll just have to see what happens to them this year
0: I do agree with you on Jacobs field or Progressive Park or whatever it's called now uh, that is a great place to, to catch an Indians game for sure can't say any about the Browns football stadium because I've never been there uh but uh yeah that that uh the, the Cleveland situation just uh I yeah I don't know uh, do you do you believe any of the rumors that were out at the time that the the uh, Browns were willing to trade multiple draft picks, including multiple number one picks, to try to obtain Jimmy Garoppolo before he ended up getting dealt to San Francisco.
1: I, I really, I, 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 think that n- never, that never surfaced on Browns, on Browns media here uh, in Columbus. So that that talk never really came to the surface. So I'm not sure how real it was.
0: All right, fair enough. Well, now we are going to pivot. Uh, and uh, this is probably what you wanted to segue to uh, earlier, uh, the other soap opera going on in uh, Ohio, uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, uh, boy, every day there's a new story, and I guess the, the, the most uh, latest news here is uh, – I guess prior to uh, their uh, team practice on Monday, by the way, for the record, I guess Isaiah Thomas has said that they don't practice enough. And now that they had a practice, I guess they had a a big team meeting before the practice, and they were uh, challenging the legitimacy of uh, Kevin Love, uh, leaving a a recent game against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder because he was ill and then ended up missing uh, a subsequent practice. Uh, This is all according to uh, ESPN uh, Sources and uh, so, what's uh, you know, what you know? What's going on there? I mean, not only that, but you know, Isaiah Thomas, since he's come back from his hip injury and he started to play, I mean, his play has been erratic, and it just feels like uh, everything is is very dysfunctional right now uh, with the Cavaliers and and their chances of of reaching another NBA Finals uh, seems like it's in genuine peril.
1: I, I I don't know what's wrong with the Cavs. I mean, as we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, Cavs are up uh, a point in the second quarter against San Antonio. And, of course, the big news is is that LeBron James just became the youngest player to score 30,000 points in his career. Seventh member of the NBA and the youngest member to ever get to that 30,000-point Wow! level. And a lot of that has to do with the fact he's one of the last guys that got to come right out of high school and play in the NBA. So that's mm. a record that may never be broken. Cavs look broken to me. Cavs look like, I mean, it, they say all along that, you know, the NBA is a player's game and college basketball is a coach's game. But I, I I don't know that that's true when you have that one dominant, really good player that all of a sudden decides he's smarter than the coach. And I think without a strong coach with the Cavaliers, without, you know, with LeBron being that guy who's, You know, he's starting to get up there a little bit. And uh, uh, even Michael Jordan admitted he needed Scottie Pippen to win as often as he did. I don't know. Uh, You see a lot of lost Cavs enthusiasm among people that two years ago um, would have been excited about the Cavaliers. Uh, They're just not as excited this year. And um, um, I have to admit, I might be one of them. I've never been a big NBA fan. It's always fun to... Have a team like that that you're able to cheer for. The finals that they won a couple of years ago were some of the most exciting games, especially that Game 7. But I don't know whether that team may have peaked. That team may just have peaked, and they may need some, some some major shuffles. I'm not sure the Isaiah Thomas move was a great move. He certainly hasn't been able to contribute yet. If he does and turns around and this team starts to work, I may have to eat those words. But I think the Cavs are in trouble, and uh, I'm not smart enough to tell you how to
0: fix them. I, would it surprise you at all if the, if the Cavaliers tried to flip Isaiah Thomas before the NBA trade deadline? Uh, is is it a given that he's going to stay there? Uh?
1: That's a team that's got deep pockets and an owner that wants to win. I wouldn't be surprised by anything that he did because he wants to win. He wants to win again. You, you, you I wouldn't be surprised by any move that that team would make um, And and because if they think they're still in it, if they think they still have a chance to win it, uh, who knows katie barred the door the guy who get his checkbook out and move on
0: course you uh, juxtapose all the dysfunction going on with the Cavaliers and then you uh you, you talked before about the uh about the NBA being a player's game but then you look at the situation with like the Boston Celtics and the strong head coach they have with Brad Stevens and how the players seem to really listen to him and and learn from him and so I, I guess let me ask you first about what you think of Stevens and then maybe also tie that into uh, of course uh Kyrie Irving moving from the Cavs to the Celtics and are you at all surprised The way Kyrie Irving is playing in the Celtics system from when he played uh, as a teammate with LeBron.
1: Let's be honest. Half the the players on the Celtics team, when Brad Stevens came in to be the coach, thought he was the towel boy. (laughs) Who thought that this young guy who'd never even played in the NBA would be as successful a coach as he has? He was a great college coach. He had a fabulous college career. He's turned into. Uh, a surprise now, maybe it's not a surprise for the Celtics who hired him. maybe they saw what they were looking for in him, but you Danny,
0: Im- Danny Ink sure did, but
1: uh, I mean, you got to be impressed with the guy. The Celtics have obviously figured out a way to put a team together. They've really focused as well on i I think you know putting compatible players together. It, it, it ought to be an interesting postseason in the NBA. If the Cavaliers can turn their season around a little bit if the Celtics can continue to play. Uh, I'm pretty impressed. But let's talk college basketball for a little bit. I got two college things going on here, Todd, we have to talk about.
0: Okay, go.
1: (laughs) Undefeated in the Big Ten Ohio State men's team. Okay. Unbelievable how well they've played since the season started. After blowing the coach out uh, almost unexpectedly, bringing in another Butler coach, um, you know, Butler is now the cradle of basketball coaches at this point. <laughs> Apparently, yes. The team that, that really has turned their season around, they went to Madison Square Gardens this past weekend and beat Minnesota. They had a tough game two nights ago against Nebraska, but were able to pull that out, or I think that was last night. You've got a team that's now 9-0 and in the Big Ten and weren't even ranked in the top 25 until a week and a half ago. Uh-huh. I think they're going to be a surprise team as you start to get down the line, they're going to have a pretty decent seed in the Big Ten tournament. And, and I think they're going to make the, the, a splash for the first time in a long time. And then you have the women's team, who is a top-ten team in the country, and you got the women's Final Four playing in Columbus this year at Nationwide Arena. Mm-hmm. And so the possibility is that the home one of the teams may actually be a home team in that Final Four in the uh, women's tournament. Something I'm really excited about, I, I'm kind of a women's basketball fan. I think uh, – um, Kelsey Mitchell and the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes uh, women's team uh, is going to make a nice run in this tournament. Uh, they've, they've had a little bit of a breakdown here recently, but uh, I think uh, as you start to get close to that Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, you're going to have both teams in pretty good positions. And I'm excited about the women's Final Four coming to town because the um, Women's Basketball Coaching Association as their convention in town during that time period. I guess the men do the same thing during the Final Four. Okay. All the basketball coaches come. And because it's in Columbus and because there are certain uh, uh, activities they're looking for, I'm going to be speaking at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. I'm going to be doing a seminar for first- and second-year basketball coaches in uh, Divisions 1, 2, and 3 on uh, how to deal with the media. Oh, I'm well. going to be doing uh, short 20-minute sessions. They're kind of calling them roundtable sessions with some of the younger coaches talking about how to deal with media interviews, how to prepare for them. We're calling it how to ace the media interview, and uh, I'm pretty excited. It'll be my first time to uh, speak on that kind of a stage, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Well, you should be. Congratulations, Mark. That's uh, quite an honor. So that, that takes place during the women's Final Four that weekend? Or?
1: The convention will happen the two days. I think the women's Final Four is a Saturday... No, it's, a, it's either a Friday-Sunday or a Sunday-Tuesday. I can't remember how they how, the, how that works. Yeah, it
0: feels like they've changed it the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, but So I guess my question would be, I mean, do you already have your tickets for the women's Final Four?
1: No, I haven't, I haven't figured my tickets thing out yet. I just found out about this speaking engagement over the last um, week or so, so I'm still trying to arrange how the speaking arrangement's going to go. Does it include tickets? You know, those kind of things. I'm going to, of course, try to scam as much as I
0: can. <laughs> well, if we're going to continue talking women's basketball, then I guess I'll ask as someone who doesn't really follow it all that closely, uh, what have your thoughts been over the years of uh, the Yukon uh, the uh, Huskies dynasty that, you know, R.E.M. has been able to, to build over there, uh, uh, over here in the, the Northeast?
1: College basketball is a coach's game, and he's one of the best. He's figured out how to get motivation. Uh, You know, he's had players, he's had a a, a decent team, he's had great players on his team, but I think that's just proof that uh, college basketball, and especially women's college basketball, is a coach's game. Um, I, I right now can't come up with a women's coach off the top of my head for some reason, and I should be able to do that, but I know that we have what some people have said is one of the top three women's players with Kelsey Mitchell right now playing for the women's team, and I'm kind of excited about that coming up.
0: Yeah, well, and, and again, I, since I'm not following, I don't. I'm assuming that UConn is again up near the top of the yep. poll. So, I mean, a UConn Ohio State final, a championship game in Columbus. that's uh, too sounds... early to tell,
1: but boy, that would be pretty exciting. That'd be a, that would be a fun thing to watch.
0: Yeah, sounds like it would be uh, well attended uh, for sure, uh, too. Uh, there. In,
1: in any ticket sales in... yet? Um, I know that you've got Columbus. And if we can talk about Columbus for just a minute as a city. Sure. Columbus is a city that's trying to figure out how to become a big-time city. I mean, I think that, to many extents, Columbus has had one of those uh, uh, um, little brother chips on their shoulders with uh, Cincinnati and um, Cleveland having all the major league teams. I mean, Mm. now you have a situation where you've got um, an owner and a major league team, the Columbus crew, in the MLS. Right. And the idea that they're going to move – Uh, and that this move has somehow been orchestrated by Major League Soccer and by this owner, and you've got fans and people pouring out of the woodwork to demonstrate that Columbus does think big about these kind of things.
0: Where are the crew moving? I haven't heard anything about this. Again, not that I follow the MLS that closely, but uh, what's uh... the guy that
1: bought the, the guy that bought the crew had a contract that said he couldn't move the team for ten years except to Austin. So of course he announced he's moving the team to. Hey, let's not wait for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh wow. The thought is um, that
1: that's a temporary move, and he really wants to move them out to Santa Rosa or uh, San Diego or someplace in California, because that's where the guy's from, and he has to make this preliminary move. And uh, uh, he's not talking about getting any sort of government aid to uh, build his stadium. Uh, Wink, wink, hint, hint. But uh, you get the impression that in 2019, that team will be playing at uh, UT's football stadium. Um, And then uh, as the move goes on, you see that team possibly going out, Somewhere in California, my anticipation is is that soccer will be played in Mafre Stadium, the first soccer-only stadium built in the United States. It might be a league down in the U.S. Soccer League, or um, um, what those you know. It might just be a notch down for for a while. But but the support for soccer in this team is phenomenal. It's a great game. I've become a huge soccer fan over the last couple of years. Um, My uh, Jeff and I's brother Steve has really gotten me into it. And uh, we'll probably be uh, getting some sort of season tickets this year um, for what could be the last year that the crew is here. And uh, it's a fun game to watch, and uh, I'm excited about it. And I think it's just another notch in Columbus's hat that uh, we have that kind of local support. Uh, And you see now companies signing up. Not to be supporters of the crew, but to be supporters of the people who want to save the crew and keep the crew in town. You see sponsors lining up for that. Sponsors that the ownership of the team can't sign to be sponsors, but this local group of ragtag fans who've uh, put together a coalition and and people are sponsoring them.
0: If the city of Columbus shows enough support, uh, is there a pretty good chance that they would get an expansion team there even after this, uh, this current owner moves the team down to Texas?
1: I would say eventually but it's not going to happen right away because the current owner of the team is basically in cahoots with Major League Soccer. Uh they've been working together on this the whole way because they want to put an expansion team in Cincinnati. And they can't really get an expansion team to put in Cincinnati building uh, yeah, right. move the one out of Columbus.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: That's what you're going to see happen over the next 2 to 3 years. Columbus is going to move, Cincinnati is going to get an expansion team uh, uh in in you know in some Bizarro world that I could think of. That team will fail and move up to Columbus. But I would think <laughs> right after the crew leaves that some AAA soccer team, whatever that league is, and I can't think of what the name of the league is, um, will be playing in that stadium to the seven or 8,000 fans that will show up. Um, um, and and that will be a pretty good showing. You know, minor league uh, baseball does really well here uh, and gets a good crowd, and I think that uh, soccer will continue to uh, generate a good crowd. And I think eventually you will have a new stadium here, and you will have a, another MLS team here, and we may even be able to pull that Browns move and uh, still call them the crew.
0: Sure. Well, why not? I don't know if anyone else wants why to not? rush up to take that name. So, But but you're forgetting about the one major league team that Columbus has that no other city in Ohio has. You have national the National Hockey League. You have the uh, Blue Jackets.
1: The uh, Blue Jackets are playing their first game in Las Vegas tonight. Blue Jackets have had a great start to their season. They, uh, they kind of hit a bump in the road at this point. It'll be interesting to see. Of course, they've got one of the strongest uh, goalkeepers. I need to pay a little bit more attention to hockey this year. I have not. Um, and, again, uh, um, uh, we all get busy about different things. I think once football season ends, I think you see a lot more attention to hockey in Ohio. And I think the Blue Jackets, I don't think they're, I think they're playing a late game in Vegas tonight uh, in that new stadium wherever uh, the Las Vegas Knights are playing.
0: Yeah, can you believe? I mean, they have like one of the best records in the league for a first-year expansion team. That's
1: best team in the NHL right now. Oh,
0: really? It's the best record. Okay, I wasn't. I haven't looked at the standings. in The
1: NHL right now, and um, um, recently. Interesting to uh, see how that happens. So, Todd, it's been fun tonight. We need to schedule this again once we get closer to baseball season and talk baseball.
0: Agreed. Agreed, Mark. We will definitely uh, do that. I, I definitely want to uh, thank you for, uh, for for joining me. Again, uh, just as a reminder, you can uh, follow uh, Mark Elliott on Twitter at TheMarkElliott. I'll make sure I pronounce that correctly. Actually, The is capitalized, too, in, in your Twitter handle, Mark. I kind of like that as well. So, uh, yeah, follow him. You'll uh, I, I know you will be tweeting lots of uh, stuff with regards to uh, – uh, uh, local ohio sports uh, women's hoops soccer uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of sports that not everyone else is uh, tweeting about so I can't wait to uh to see some of that
1: and will you give me the eagles in three points
0: uh Oh, sure. I, I think I have the Patriots winning by more than a field goal, although I think it is going to be a close game. I, I definitely think uh, this is a, a good matchup, and from a Patriots perspective, in, in some ways, I'm almost glad. Not that Nick Foles is, uh, is any, anything wrong with him as a backup. He's one of the better backups in the game, but I'm just as glad the Eagles don't have Carson Wentz because I think it would make the Patriots' uh, chance for a sixth Lombardi trophy that much more difficult. Uh, Well, good luck
1: to you, uh, uh, Todd, and let's uh, do this again when baseball season gets
0: closer. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again, Mark. Uh, Again, that's uh, uh, Mark uh, Elliott uh, from uh, Ohio, a brother of uh, Jeff Hansel and – of our own BMC here. And uh, just a reminder, uh, uh, don't forget to uh, follow us on social media by searching timeout for sports talk on Facebook and on Twitter at T O S T BMC is our handle. You can get links to the latest T O S T podcasts as soon as they are available. We'll have this one uploaded to sweet. Uh, of course, if you are uh, listening to this anytime around January 23rd when we're recording it, I want to remind you that our next live timeout for Sports Talk TV show will be coming up on Wednesday, January 31st at 8 o'clock. It's our annual anniversary and Super Bowl preview show, 25th edition. Can you believe it? Uh, as It's been a tradition, uh, too, when the Patriots play in the game, that we broadcast live for a full 90 minutes. Uh, we're going to be doing that now for the uh, ninth time uh, broadcasting a 90-minute a show uh, with uh, with the uh, the Patriots playing in the Super Bowl. So uh, uh, once again, uh, a big thanks to uh, Mark Elliott for joining me here on the, uh, the uh, TOST podcast. So until next time, my name is Todd Blonier. I just want to thank you for checking out the TOST podcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.